Some anthologies do it differently and actually keep track of the earnings per month, but that becomes very tedious, especially over time, to keep track of sums that are um, small for each author. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. Do you currently have any work in an anthology? Have you been asked to submit a story to or or maybe to just participate in an anthology? Or maybe you've just been in a few and you've seen some benefits and decided to produce one of your own. If so, you'll find today's show really interesting, I think. Because as you might have guessed by now, we're talking about anthologies. What should you expect if you're participating in one, and what should you prepare for if you're producing one? Basically, we're discussing best practices for anthologies, and we're getting into some nitty-gritty detail. Our guest today is Patrice Fitzgerald. She's an indie author with what I think are some pretty special insights into the anthology process. Patrice is a former intellectual property attorney who embraced the indie world on Independence Day 2011. In addition to her own writing, she's participated in multiple anthologies and produced several of her own, including one that was just released called Mostly Murder Till Death that features short crime stories from several authors, including one from the legendary Lawrence Block. We'll be talking about the anthology process from the perspective of the participating author as well as the producer slash editor. I actually asked Patrice what the correct terminology was before clicking the record button, and she prefers the term producer, which when you think about everything that needs to happen to get one of these anthologies out makes a lot of sense. Before we get to today's interview, a quick note on my goal-setting process for 2017. I know that dozens of you signed up for Michael Hyatt's free ebook, Achieve What Matters, in 2017. He's doing a webinar this Wednesday, and I'm definitely going to be there. If you'd like to join me, it's at 11 o'clock on December 7th, and I'm pretty sure there are more dates available as well. You can get all the details by going to theauthorbiz.com slash 2017goals. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. I hope to see you there and then inside the private Facebook group that I'll be setting up so we can hold ourselves accountable in 2017. One final thing before we get to the interview this week. It's the holiday season, and a lot of us will be making almost daily stops at Amazon to not only buy the books we want to read and check on our own sales rankings, but to also buy gifts for family and friends. The Author Biz is an Amazon affiliate. And I earn small amounts of money for items purchased from people who click through the book links on the AuthorBiz site. Not surprisingly, most of those clicks are for books, which, as you know, are incredibly valuable, but they tend to not cost a lot. If you've been planning on buying any gifts through Amazon this year, I'd ask you to consider stopping by the AuthorBiz website and clicking through to any of the shows and then clicking on my book, Four Seasons of Reno Heart. You'll see the big cover on the uh, right-hand side once you click through to any of the shows. That will send you to Amazon with my affiliate code. If you buy anything during that session, if you buy something, a gift for your mom or your your daughter, uh, I'll earn a small commission on that purchase. And, of course, you'll pay exactly the same price. 
It's a great way to help me defray some of the costs of running the Author Biz throughout the year. And if you're so inclined after doing your shopping, shoot me an email and let me know you did it. I'd love to give you a shout out on the next show or to just thank you. That's enough fundraising for today. I appreciate you listening to the show, and I love getting your emails. That email address is steve at camvenmedia.com. I also appreciate those of you who leave comments on the websites or, or comments on Facebook or Twitter. I love seeing them all and very much appreciate them. Okay, anthologies. Let's get to the interview. My first question to Patrice Fitzgerald was to help us define terms. So, Patrice, what exactly is an anthology? That's a good question. It, I'm sure there are different ways of looking at the term, but the way I use it is a collection of short stories, typically around one particular genre or topic, and uh, they are not connected to each other, and they're not necessarily connected to anything outside of the book. Okay, and it's it's typically a collection of authors that participate in in writing stories for this collection. In the case of the anthologies that I have been in and that I produce, that's correct. But certainly, people do their own anthologies of all, you know, one author's work. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I, I guess I would have thought of that more as a, a collection. But you're you're right. It would it would certainly also be an anthology. All right. So I, I'm not going to, you, you may trip me up on things like that because you're in a former life, you were an intellectual property attorney. And I know from dealing with intellectual properties, attor- attorneys, that that's a very detail oriented thing. Was it a relief for you to get out and, and become a writer? That's so interesting. Um, I always wanted to write and uh, going to law school seemed like a a responsible thing to do. Uh, I practiced law for hmm, just about 15, 20 years. Uh, I don't want to give away my age here. Oh, who cares? I'm really old. No, (laughs) You're younger Uh, than me. I have no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll have to compare notes later. Um, I I really enjoyed doing the intellectual property work. Uh, It was primarily at corporations, although I I also worked for the government in Washington, um, and uh, I had my own firm for a couple of years. But I was doing uh, mostly copyrights and trademarks, trademarks primarily, and um, working on consumer products. So it was a lot of registration of trademarks around the world and in the U.S., of course, and it was, yes, detail-oriented and could sometimes be very interesting when we had litigation. Um, writing is quite different and far more creative, and uh, I have always written, even when I was practicing law. I am still an attorney. I just don't practice anymore. And as they say, I got so good at it, I don't have to practice anymore. And I started laughing ahead of time because we were having a Facebook chat, and she used that line on me. And I hadn't heard it in a long time, so it, it, it struck me as funny, and it still does. Um, why is it, and I ask this of every attorney that I talk to who, who becomes a writer, why is it that attorneys make such great writers? Well, that's such a nice thing to say. I think that we like words. I think that we're comfortable with words. And when you talk about um, the relief from going to <laughs> legal writing, going from legal writing to creative writing, it is definitely freeing. But you also have to unlearn some of, some of those habits. Um, I, I certainly 
always used to write and speak in a more careful manner. And now that I'm a creative person and I can let my hair down, uh, I don't have to be care- as careful about that. It's a very different kind of persona, you know. And uh, But I've been a writer now. Uh, I've called myself a writer primarily for, again, more than 20 years. So um, I guess there was a little overlap there. I did freelance writing for magazines and newspapers uh, back when we had more of those on paper. And then I did some of that online as well. So I've I've kind of always been writing. And you have also been involved in multiple anthologies, both as um, a producer, someone who puts them together, and as a contributor. Yes, indeed. I've been in four, uh, oh, I said four, I think actually six, uh, with two more to come, anthologies for that other people produced. And I have now produced four of my own, Uh, And one of them is actually coming out tomorrow. Um, And the uh, but I also should say that I I write and publish my own um, individual novels. And I also publish uh, two other authors who are very active uh, with their own individual novels and series. So I'm I kind of have my hand in every possible pot. Well, let's talk about the anthology that's coming out. You said tomorrow, but by the time people hear this, it will have come out a few days previously. It's coming out on the 1st, right? December 1st? December 1st. So we will be time travelers, and we will fast forward (laughs) to uh, whenever this is released, and uh, people will already be able to buy the book, which is fantastic. And this is something a little different for you, because uh, the majority of your anthologies have been... Uh, science fiction oriented, I think, and and this is a, a mystery. Indeed. So tell us about it. Well, it's called the series title is mostly murder. We had a little uh, we had a little voting process on that. That's one of the great fun things about uh, writing as an indie author and indie producer. You can talk to people and you can um, decide as a group and work together to put out the best possible book. So one of the things we talked about was what to call it. And we decided mostly murder because not every story would have a murder in it, but most of them did. And the particular, this particular first volume is individually called Till Death because it's about couples, not necessarily married couples, although a lot of them are. So of course, you know, Till Death Do We Part was uh, part of the thought there. And, um, So the theme is couples involved in a mystery, and there's all kinds of fun takes, fun and scary takes on that. There are married couples, there are um, partners, there are people that you think are couples but aren't. There's one that's historical, there's one that's cozy, that is to say not not a hardcore, hard-boiled mystery, but a, a, a lighter mm-hmm. mystery. And then there are a couple of very short stories, which are more, um, more like a psychological mysteries that unfold as you read them. Uh, so a, a whole variety of work in there. And I am very proud of it. Um, our, 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 the major author that we have in there, although we have many, is Lawrence Block, who's uh, known internationally and has had a multiple 
decade career uh, as a master of mystery. So we're very proud to be able to feature him. And and he's been very kind to let us include one of his stories in Mostly Murder. I will say that his name sort of jumped off the cover when I was looking at the cover. It's like, oh my, how'd you get Lawrence Block? So uh, before I ask you that specific question, let's just talk in general about how you put this together um, from sort of from the idea point to collecting the stories, deciding on what stories should be in there, and then actually putting it all together. So could you sort of just like walk us through from, you know, why, why a, a, a mystery anthology? Aha, uh-huh. it's a mystery. Well, this one is a little different than my science fiction anthologies because that uh, the science fiction one, and, and specifically in my case, it's space opera stories, uh, it was my idea and I asked some friends and we just started publishing them and now it's become a regular thing. That one, that series, which is called Beyond the Stars, is... Uh, we will have the fourth volume out uh, in, next April. So I'm just starting to collect stories for that. But the mystery one uh, I got involved in because I was part of a group on Facebook where someone else was going to um, create this anthology, be the producer and, and the, the kind of organizer behind the scenes. And he, to his great pleasure found that he had an opportunity with his one of his own books that was going to take up all of his time and i i i think it's a a movie possibility but i'm not even sure because he had to keep it confidential so he said sorry he would have to bow out and i said i have done three other or maybe two at the time uh anthologies and i would be willing to step in as the producer so i sort of uh, stage day benign coup in the uh, on the Facebook page with everyone's support, of course, and we started talking about what to call it. And people had already submitted stories to the original um, man who was going to produce it. This is Ernie Lindsay. I don't have to be secret about his name. And uh, so I I said to them I'd be happy to take it over, but I would need to look at the stories and make sure that I thought that they were of you know, sufficient quality, superior quality to, for me to be able to work on it. And so I reserved the right to say, this doesn't work for me. But indeed, I read the stories, and they were all fantastic. So then you, um, you take the stories, and you go through an editing process. Uh, Sometimes you send them out to a freelance editor. In this case, I did the editing myself, because I just wanted it to be very hands on for this first one. Um, and then you um, you decide on a title. You commission a cover. Again, that's a freelance person. Some people do their own. I don't do that. We put it all together. We send out um, a draft of the uh, ebook, the digital version of the book, for the writers to review. Of course, they've already reviewed their individual stories. And then we send um, arcs advanced reader copies to others who might give us a review later because we want to prime the pump, so to speak, in, you know, in a way that's acceptable to Amazon. And um, now we are with bated breath waiting to, uh, or I am, <laughs> waiting to upload the whole um, bundle of stories which has been put together over the last many months. 
and this is the moment. So it's very exciting. Now, there are different ways of compensating authors uh, for anthologies, and I think I read somewhere online that the way you like to do it is to just set a per-story fee. Did I, am I, is that correct? Yeah, well, I've done it different ways. In this case, um, I'm doing kind of a, uh, a mixed um, way of compensating. I do a per-word, five cents a word, which is standard that's a fairly good rate um but i have a cap on that which is just a few hundred dollars and um so each author gets that they get that fee once and then um you know the that pays for the expenses of setting it up the editing the cover the formatting etc and any promotional work that we do any ads that we buy and then the rest of it uh is for me to keep as the producer and you don't know with these how whether you know you'll strike it rich uh or just do okay but you should earn back your investment um, and I, I'm sure that we'll do that in this case. I think this will be very successful. I um, Some anthologies do it differently and actually uh, keep track of the earnings per month. In, in the case of Amazon, you get them per month. In the case of most indie writing, you would get, get it at the end of you know, 60 days after the, the month. And, but that becomes very tedious, especially over time to keep track of sums that are, um, small for each author. And you're, I'm sure you're going to get to this question, but, um, the reason that writers do this, and of course I've been on the other side, um, as a, a writer and a contributor to an anthology that someone else is producing, it's, you get wonderful exposure and you get um, cross promotion. Plus, it's fun. You know, I mean, it's really a joy to think that you're part of something that is successful and that kind of breaks you out of that um, isolation that writers can sometimes feel. Is it in this case having someone with the profile of a Lawrence Block? Is that something that helps to draw in other authors? I, I know if, if if I were a part of this anthology, I would be super excited about being in an anthology with, with Lawrence Block, and I would tell everyone I know that I was. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's that. We're going to hit it out of the park because of Mr. Block's kindness in uh, participating with us. And I, I give Ernie Lindsay, the credit for that, because he contacted him. I, I'm not sure I would have had the nerve. Mm -hmm. But um, in fact, I just uh, went to the front door for my mail. And I see I've got uh, some correspondence from him. And that's kind of cool to get a letter from Lawrence Block. So um, yes, he will make all the difference. And I'm sure it's a very good collection of stories. So it would have been uh, fine in any case, but this should put it into the stratosphere. And that's very exciting. You know, I've done, I don't know what the number is, it's probably 300 of these interviews on different shows. And I was nervous for the first few. And then I was nervous again, um, about a few months in when I got had the opportunity to interview my favorite author. And then like two years later, I had the opportunity to interview Lawrence Block, and I was a wreck. I, I honestly think it was the worst interview I ever did because I was so nervous. <laughs> and he was so gracious and so kind, and, you know, he just went with it. No matter what inane question I asked, he would just go with it. 
Well, he does seem to be a, a very nice man in my correspondence with him. I, 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 of course, knew who he was, and I went and looked at some YouTube clips where he had been on, um, I want to say, um, what's his name, Colin Ferguson, Craig Ferguson? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he did seem very approachable and just a regular guy. So, um, I wasn't too scared, just, just a little bit, just a little bit intimidated, (laughs) but also grateful. Well, but another thing that comes along with dealing with people at that level is certain expectations, probably in terms of agreements that need to be signed because there is intellectual property that has to be protected, uh, both uh, from the standpoint of the producer and, of course, from the contributor. How do you find the right agreement for something like this? Well, I'm very fortunate in that uh, with my law degree and my experience as uh, a corporate attorney, I speak contract. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't scare me. Every once in a while, (laughs) I'm in the author mode and I'm like, oh, wow, I have to rewrite this thing. And then I'm like, hey, snap out of it. You're a lawyer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So did you actually write it? Yes. I I based it on a template that, you know, I had seen other people use and I customized it. And of course, uh, Lawrence I call him Lawrence. We're such good buddies. Lawrence, if you hear this, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mr. Block. I call him Mr. Block. Um, I uh, I customized one for him because his situation was different. His story is uh, reprinted mm-hmm. from uh, some, some years ago when he wrote it. It's a great story. I remember reading it and I thought, oh boy, he, he, he really did well on this. It's the last story in the book because you know how you want to you want to wrap up strong. And um, I, I'm very thrilled to be able to present it to readers that uh, will not have seen it before. So yeah, but he, he got a special contract because of uh, the fact that his is not a brand new story. And we had kind of a different deal with him. Is there a rule of thought when putting these together? Do you want to like start strong, finish strong, or how do you and, and and I don't want you to say you know always put your best story at the beginning of the best story at the end because you know we, people are listening but in general how do you how do you try and lay these out well uh they're all brilliant stories i'll say that to all the the authors that are listening um you do want to start out with something that is particularly compelling and if you work it right it's a longer story so that those who just read the sample will be pulled in and but will not finish the story before the sample so they'll be like oh i got to buy this and i should mention <laughs> that the there will be a a sale right at the beginning a 99 cent sale so i mean who can resist that 99 cents for uh it's it's about 80,000 word book and a collection of 11 stories so uh and eventually it will go up to a a slightly higher price but um that's such a good deal that anyone who does um hear about the book is likely to to push that button and buy it. Right. Um, but yes, having a story at the beginning that, that takes you over the threshold of the 10% sample is a good idea. And of course, one of your strongest stories. Um, and then you, I think in terms of alternating, um, the kind of story or the kind of voice I tried to put, um, you know, sort of 
tougher stories against slightly softer stories, or there's there aren't any that are really funny in here, but there's one that's a little bit funny, a little bit comedic. That's the um, uh, cozy mystery that's in there. It's called None of Your Business, N-U-N, and it's about a woman who's about to enter the convent and her family's in the mafia. Oh. <laughs> They've kind of arranged for something that she didn't know about, and uh, it's uh, it's a fun one. Uh, and then there are some that are very dark. There's a historical mystery in there set in 1911 in New York City. There is uh, the very first story is actually set in set in the U.S., but it involves a man who has uh, brought his wife home from Thailand. And um, I say brought her home. He met her there in the story. But it's a little bit like a mail order bride situation. And I don't want to say any more than that. Um, and they're just just marvelous stories. As I read each one, I was I was so uh, amazed and entertained myself. So there isn't a bad one in there. But I would say that what we do is order them so that you get variety. What are authors looking for in terms of the agreement? And I don't, I don't mean, you know, the specifics, the words in the agreement, but things like uh, rights revisions, exclusivity period, um, things like that. Are, are there specific hot button topics when, when you're talking with authors about participating in, in a project? Well, there are. I would say that, um, you know, as as indie authors, we're kind of charting our own path here. And there's a lot of trust and cooperation and camaraderie. And so people are eager to, you know, throw their hat in and say, this sounds cool. Uh, let me do that. It's one of the joys of being independent. You don't have to ask your agent and you don't have to ask your publisher. And so you can take some risks I don't see this as a risk, but I see this as um, a time when you trust other people. But yes, indeed, you're very specific on the exclusivity period. In our case, it's 90 days because we're going to be in part of Amazon's Kindle Unlimited for the first 90 days. And that requires that no one else publish these stories okay. independently. Mm -hmm. But after that period, they can publish them virtually wherever they want to. And... Um, and the um, really in terms of revision, um, I should say, not revision, reversion, um, that isn't an issue because they are allowed to publish it independently. Short stories are a little bit of a different market. And even if you were in a traditional, you know, printed magazine, they typically buy first rights or first, you know, North American rights. You know, they have some limitations like that. We don't use exactly that same language because we typically don't need to. Um, but yeah, it's good to spell all of that out. I would say that our, our contract, you'd be surprised at how short it is. It's only a couple of pages and it basically recites what the, the producer slash publisher will do and what the author will do. And then we, you know, shake hands and sign the thing. You mentioned that yours was based on a template. Is that something that's readily available? Well, when I say that, I mean uh, someone else who had produced the first anthology that I was in mm -hmm. okay. had one. Okay. And I mean, I'm happy to send that along to you. I'm sure there are 
I would imagine there are examples, but that might be something that would be worth, um, you know, setting up a, a page for a website or something. Maybe I could help educate people about how possible this is to do. Yeah, it would be great if we could actually link to an example um, from, from the show notes. I don't know whether we can do that or not, but that would be great if we could. Yeah, let me see. Let me see how quickly I can do that for you, and then I I can give you the link. Okay. Um, is there anything that you would advise people to look for specifically when looking at a contract, uh, an anthology contract? Uh, well, I mean, one one thing would be uh, that would be a huge red flag um, is don't pay don't pay them money. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there are anthologies or box sets where you are required to do that. Um, it's usually not very much money. I I'm actually going to be, I forgot this. I have so many projects, so many irons in the fire, uh, next year in, uh, I think it's in June, I'll be part of a big box set of science fiction books. Um, that's going to have 20 full length novels. And I did, pay a buy-in for that. And that is in part to get it, the usual expenses, edited, uh, produced, formatted, cover made, and ads. And I did that because in that case, it's going to be a uh, short-term box set, and then it will be uh, taken off the market. So it isn't something that we'll probably earn back for the producers. Mm -hmm. And we do this um, to get exposure, and because there are so many uh, stories in this, we have the hope that it might actually make a, a significant bestsellers list, uh, and then we'd be able to, you know, say, "Oh yeah, we <laughs> we oh, have yes. that yeah. title, USA Today bestseller, or something." I, I don't want to speak too much about that because that's kind of a, a hope and a dream, but. Um, so don't pay money unless it's a, you, you know, the person you trust the person and it's a very small amount of money. And and indeed I would say trust is the most important thing. If you figure this is someone that you know, and, and we all have to be careful, even with people we know, um, I would actually look around, uh, and see what you can find out about the organizer's experience and reputation. You know, just as with any business contract, it's as much, the um, the relationship as the writing on the paper, which is not to say that the contract isn't the contract. I often have to tell this to other people, writers included. They say, oh, but he's so nice. He wouldn't, you know, nobody would take advantage of me or she's such a kind person. She's, you know, somebody I know. Well, you wouldn't think that they would, but they can. And so the contract is what's written on the paper. It's not, do you have warm, fuzzy feelings about this person? Or did they do a good job for somebody else? Or do you wish they'd do a good job? You know, the contract is the contract. And um, so the things to watch out for are that it's explicit, that it says exactly what, what you need to know, and that you don't give away too much, that it is clear about what you can expect. Um, those are the things that I would look for. You mentioned 90 days as an exclusivity period. Is that fairly normal or is, is there a range? I think that there's a range, but this is pretty much dictated by Amazon's, uh, 90 days of, uh, KDP select. 
um, they, they do it in three month increments. So if you sign up for one, that's the 90 days right there. Okay. If you were, if you were doing this, would you be inclined to participate in one where the exclusivity period was say 24 months? I might, if it were an attractive enough group of authors and project, because frankly, short stories don't sell that much by themselves. Uh, in my experience, perhaps other people have had other experiences, but I would also say that um, one of the reasons to uh, get the rights back to your story uh, is so that you can put it into your own individual anthology. And I have actually, um, uh, I had the cover made a while ago and I need to put together my six or eight funny sci-fi stories and um, <laughs> do my, it's called Fitzgerald's Funny Sci-Fi Shorts. Um, and I got a, a beautiful, quirky Jason Gurley cover for that. Um, so yeah, it's nice to have the rights back eventually, but it it is not so much a financial concern because you're probably not going to make a whole lot of money on a short story standalone. Um, so you're not giving up too much. It's different if it's a book. If you're talking about a box set, which is usually a collection of books, you could probably um, eventually publish that yourself. And um, and most people do it in the other direction. They usually publish their books individually and then perhaps make it part of a box set. But you, in that case, you wouldn't give up exclusivity because you're, you know, it's already co-published. By you, it's it's it gets a little tricky because of the Amazon rules and because of this, you know, wild west of indie publishing. You mentioned that you're in the middle of, well, not in the middle of, you're at the beginning stages of the next Beyond the Stars uh, anthology, and so. When you're collecting the stories, what's the process? Is is there a submission process, or are you going out and asking people if they would submit stories? What, how's that work for you? I do both those things. And the first volume, which was called Dark Beyond the Stars, which came out uh, a little more than a year ago, uh, we simply were friends who got together and said, let's put together a collection of our short stories. So the, the writers chose themselves, you know, we, mm -hmm. we got together and it happened that that was a group of women who wanted to do this anthology together. Uh, and one of the things that came about after dark beyond the stars was released was that, uh, a science fiction writer in England wrote a review on Amazon that, and he, I, it might've been partially tongue in cheek. It's hard to say. He said, well, women can't write science fiction. This is not very good. Move over ladies and let the, let the men do it. And that got some attention on social media. And we got many, many comments <laughs> on that <laughs> review. Um, and it was funny because he, he signed the review and he also, uh, attached a link to his own book, which is really against Amazon's uh, review rules, but they didn't seem to mind. At first, they were taking away the comments to his review <laughs> because they said they were against the rules. So mm -hmm. it was kind of a, a, a big um, 
a little little bit of excitement for a while, but we got a lot of exposure from it. So I have to thank him. Thank you, man from England who wrote that <laughs> review. And we sold many, many copies of that book. So uh, the next two version, uh, the second one is Beyond the Stars. Oh, I have to think about it for a minute. Wait, what's the title? Beyond the Stars, A Planet Too Far. That's the second one. Mm -hmm. And the third one is Beyond the Stars at Galaxy's Edge. These are tricky titles. Who thought of these titles? Oh, I guess I did. <laughs> anyway, we I did, as I am doing for the mystery anthology, Mostly Murder, um, I chose – well, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing up all my various projects. I didn't do this for Mostly Murder, but for Beyond the Stars, I ask about half of the authors. Okay. I ask them to write for us because their known quantities write brilliant stories and have a social media presence and are very pretty well known or very well known. And then I accept submissions for about five or six additional stories, and I usually get a boatload of submissions, and it's very exciting to read these stories, from some from people I, I don't know at all, and... Um, one of the the most fabulous stories in the last release at Galaxy's Edge was um, from a man I didn't know at all, and he uh, he wrote Good Food. It's called, or is it the Good Food? Anyway, it's one of those two, and I it's the first story in at Galaxy's Edge, and that one I think that should uh, win awards. It just I thought it was phenomenal, and I love discovering new writers and new stories and saying, wow, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. And good for you. Now that you've done a few of these, um, you mentioned having authors who are fairly well known participate with social media presences and, and who have been around for a while. How important is that to driving the sales of, of these anthologies? It's pretty important. Yeah, I have to say that the anthologies that I have been in, the science fiction anthologies that I've been in that have been produced by Samuel Peralta, um, had uh, uh, the first couple sometimes had a Hugh Howie story in them. Mm -hmm. And Hugh Howie is, you know, internationally known. So that was a big driver of sales and recognition. And the last two of my own space opera anthologies. Uh, the Beyond the Stars series, have featured stories by Nick Webb. And Nick Webb is uh, is having great success now. He's another indie writer. He has written, um, I've, I'm trying to remember the name, I think it's the Legacy Trilogy, and, and he's actually on a second trilogy in the same universe. Uh, both Hugh Howey and Nick Webb are um, have Kindle worlds. Uh, mm-hmm meaning they have their own universe as supported by Kindle and other people can write in their universe. And in fact, I wrote uh, a story in Nick Webb's universe. So um, these are people that have great exposure and great support from fans. And if you can get one of their wonderful stories and get them to support the anthology, then that gives it a, a tremendous launch. Are all of the authors expected to help to support the launch? Or are they contractually bound to support the launch? How does how does that work? They're expected to, and it says in the contract, will make their, their best efforts to support. Uh, some people are able to do more than others. Mm -hmm. Some people have newsletters that 
they have 15,000 subscribers. So, you know, that's a big push. A lot of people will hear about the anthology. And especially when you, when you get the word out within the early, in our case, it's about 12 days, the early sales price. Most people will not think twice about clicking buy when it's only 99 cents. And so, uh, but we can't really demand that. Some people don't have much of a social media profile, and um, but others are willing to um, boost it on their Facebook page or on Twitter. Even if they don't have a lot of followers, they might have enthusiastic followers. And it's all, it's kind of a snowball effect where uh, the more exposure you get, the more exposure you get, as right, right. we know how that works. Now, speaking of exposure and, and the magical, whimsical world of the Amazon algorithm, how important is it for an author to have their name in more titles? Do you know? Because yours is your name. When I went to your Amazon author page, it's, it's enormous because of, because of all the anthologies that you have produced and contributed to. Yeah, it's pretty important. Um, you know, I think uh, in advertising, they say you need to get your name or your product in front of somebody seven times before they start to really perk up and notice it. And I would say that, um, yes, the more times you can get it out there, the better. So if you have somebody like um, Sam Peralta, Hugh Howie, Nick Webb, uh, Annie Bellet, uh, let's see who else is in these stories. Uh, quite a few. Uh, Michael Anderley is a big name in indie sci-fi. Um, J.C. Andrzejewski. I mean, you know, these are names that are sort of, some of them are sort of niche, but in those genres, they're very well known. Mm-hmm. And especially if an individual sees this anthology uh, promoted by two different or three different sources that they respect and see that they have a story in it, they're likely to say, oh, yeah, I, I've got I've to at least look at this one and pick it up. So it makes a big difference. Have you, have you heard any stories from authors who have been part of anthologies where it just sort of really helped to lift their career? Uh, yes. I think in, in a general way, I have heard of that from nearly everyone. And the the Peralta phenomenon, he started publishing these science fiction anthologies, the Chronicles series. And he's now done, in addition to the Chronicles, he's done a couple of others. Um, I believe he started um, two years ago in 2014. I couldn't swear to that. I'd have to go look. But that has uh, raised my career profile and quite a lot of other people. So yes, it, it kind of brings you from the, I, I don't know, I, I picture it as an ocean of people bobbing along uh, in their little boats, perhaps that's the Hugh Howie connection, you know, because he, <laughs> he sails around the world yes. um, in their little boats. And then they get into a slightly bigger boat and then they get into a yacht and then they get into an ocean liner, you know, because they're, they're helping each other along. And that's, that's really the joy and the fun of this new world of, you know, indie writing and self-publishing. We are able to do that. And the, the, connections to people and the way that we support each other is unlike anything I've ever known in, um, in my career. 
and and it it just really makes it pleasant and you feel good you feel like your your friends and other authors and the fans have your back and there's no better feeling than feeling that support it is kind of an amazing thing now we're undoubtedly talking to someone out there who's in a small boat out on the ocean hugh howie's boat you know sailed by several days ago (laughs) and it was enormous and it cast this shadow that put them in cool weather for a little while but they're they're rowing along in their small boat and they're thinking i'd like to do an analogy an anthology what advice would you have for them i would say um I mean, my my bailiwick is Facebook. That's where I am mostly. I would say get on Facebook and look around. If you know uh, of any authors or, or you just go on Amazon and you look for anthologies and um, find out who's in them and see if you can contact any of those people. Um, anybody who is interested is welcome to come uh, ask to join we have two pages on Facebook. One of them is called Beyond the Stars, and that's for the science fiction anthologies. And then the other one is the Mystery Collective. That's for the mystery anthologies. And they you can see what's in them. You have to be you have to ask to be invited in and then, you know, as long as you're not too scary, too shady a character, I would just click the yes button and you're in. And then you can find out how to submit directly. I was going to say submit to me. <laughs> that sounds like so, a new collection. <laughs> yes, well, that's that's the S and M collection. I don't know. We're not doing that yet. But um, the uh, that's the way to do it. Just find out. I mean, and we're not the only ones by any means. There's all kinds of things like this. It's very similar to the way you would send in a story to a um, a traditionally published magazine. Um, and there are fewer of those now. There are a lot of online magazines and that, uh, can start your career and continue your career because at the end of your story, if you get in, you'll get a little, a little blurb that says, Oh, and, and she's also written this, and this is where you can find him. And this is, uh, what he or she is working on right now. So, um, that's how you begin. You write it, you submit it, you, you get rejected, you submit again, <laughs> and eventually you have a career. All right, Patrice, thank you so much. This has been incredibly educational. I, I know listeners are going to enjoy this. Uh, you've, we've mentioned Mostly Murder a couple times. By the time this show goes live, it will be out there, and I think it'll still be 99 cents on December 5th, right? Yes, it's going to be 99 cents, I think, through the 11th. So definitely there is time to pick it up at the bargain price. Okay, and that is Amazon only. So find that at Amazon. We'll have links to it in the show notes. And where can they find your other collections if they're maybe more interested in science fiction? Although why anyone wouldn't be interested in a murder collection, I I just don't understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, um, the the same thing. You'll find it on Amazon, Beyond the Stars, and you can always look for my name, Patrice Fitzgerald, associated with it, um, because they have different authors. The first one is Dark Beyond the Stars, and the next two are Beyond the Stars with other titles. And uh, they will always be exclusive to Amazon because of our contractual arrangements. But mostly murder, we hope, will eventually be available on other platforms. And I hope to someday, not right away, do an audio book. And um, I hope to make a whole lot of money. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) And what's what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? Is it through your website? Yes, I would say they can go to my website 
www.patricefitzgerald.com. And if you want to write to me directly, you can, because I'm pretty full up on my Facebook page. I think I'm almost at my max of 5,000 friends. They can write to me at E, as in E for electronic, E Fitzgerald Publishing at gmail.com. So that's all one word, E Fitzgerald Publishing at gmail.com. All right. And remember, we'll have links to everything we've mentioned here, including all of the different anthologies and uh, Patrice's email address at theauthorbiz.com in the show notes. Patrice, thank you again so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Steve. This was great. And it went by like a smooth cruise in a sailboat. Thank you so much to Patrice Fitzgerald for such an amazingly useful episode. Are you planning an anthology? Maybe planning on being in one? I'd love to hear about it. Shoot me an email, steve at camvenmedia.com, and let me know. Next week's show is all about video and how to use video to connect with and build your audience of readers. Our guest will be a woman with over a billion, and that's billion with a B, internet views to her credit. That will be episode 99 next week. So please join us again next Monday, and thanks so much for listening this week.